make me feel so young. You make me feel like spring has sprung. Like the way he's speaking, his confidence is peaking. Don't like his baggy jeans, but I'ma like what's underneath them. And Love is a I am your host, Space Surfing 18, and today we're going with another awesome New York ARC episode, The Backup Plan, and I have two amazing guests coming back to join us today, and I'll let them introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Connie, and I'm Connie She on Twitter, and that's Connie, S-H-I-H. Hi, I'm Lisa, I'm Crocky Quantum Queen on Tumblr, and I'm happy to be back. All right. Well, thanks for coming back, guys. Um, this episode is a lot of fun. Um, it's really only three storylines, and I think one thing that the New York art does very well is the fact that they've pared down on the characters. Um, the storylines have given room to breathe, and I think this is a, a good episode to really get into some character stuff. So mm-hmm. let's let's jump right in. Okay, so the opening scene is Rachel and she has an agent and or she's going to an agency. And I forgot the guy's name um, already, which is really sad because I just watched this. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I forgot too. <laughs> basically, um, this guy is telling her, you know, he's happy to sign her on in this agency, but, you know, she better stick to stage because she doesn't have a face for TV or for film, which is something that Leah Michelle, unfortunately, was told early in her career. Um, so they're playing off a little bit of real life there. But uh, again, you know, I think a lot of actors seem to run into that. And so it's a very funny scene, but also kind of grounded in some real realistic stuff there. Mm-hmm. And I, I also thought when he was talking about her nose, you know, her nose on the, you know, on the being big size on the movie screen, I was thinking back to that episode in earlier seasons where she wanted to get a nose job because Quinn mm-hmm. had the perfect nose. So I think that was a, I don't know that if that was intentional or not, but I thought it was a nice callback. So. Yeah, it, it's probably partially a callback. It's also, Leah Michelle has gotten a lot of 
notes on her nose over the years. Oh, and yeah. one of the reasons they did that plotline in Born This Way um, was because somebody, one of the, some agency or something had told her she had to fix her nose and she basically said no. Um, oh, you know, good. I, good yeah, yeah, it kind of like Barbara Streisand. Um, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the story with Barbara Streisand, but um, she was told to have a nose job too. But when she went in to do it, they said, basically, if you change your nose, you may not be able to sing the way you sing. So she's like, okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> that, that's so sad though because i literally don't see anything wrong with her nose it's, it's, yeah it's really sad yeah they, yeah i know i don't really see anything wrong with her nose either but um maybe because it's not like a perfect shape i don't i don't know i don't really get it but you know yeah. um so yeah <clears throat> um so that's the first scene and i think that it kind of plays to rachel's fears i mean we'll get into a little bit more about when she why she decides to try and go out for a tv show but i think that her worry is that in her you know when she's talking about her dreams later on she says she wants to go off and she do other things besides broadway and having somebody tell you you know you're not worth it or you know you know because you don't look right um can be it can be a hard thing so all right, so the next thing we get, we actually kick off the Klein storyline, um, and we get Kurt very excited coming out of the Niata building, and he lets Blaine know um, that June Dalloway is coming because they are um, dedicating the dance room to her, um, and uh, some people have been picked to... Um, sing for her and so um the Kurt or Blaine's like oh we have to get you in on this and he's like I already did and then they decide to that they're gonna do a song together so yeah it's really nice that we get to see a little bit of Klain at Niada because that's mm -hmm. we don't mm -hmm. get that, that much and then yeah and it's also nice to see just this relationship situation where Kurt's like yeah trying to be supportive and yeah I think that's really cute mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I do think it's funny when Blaine says um because Kurt's like everybody is like going crazy and he's like everybody goes crazy when vending machine has gummy bears yeah <laughs> <laughs> yep. um but I you know I think it's interesting that Kurt says you know they're a team which I I think is fine. I don't know. I've always been mixed feelings on the whole, like, we're getting married, so we have to do everything together. And I'm like, well, mm. it's not really, like, we get married, you don't have to do every single aspect of your life with the person that you're going to marry. Mm. Um, <laughs> and, and Glee throws it out there. But I do like the fact that when Kurt says that he's picked, Blaine is ultimately very supportive. And there's no, like, jealousy there's no he's just like yeah we have to get you in we have to get you to do this and Kurt's like yeah I'm here and he's like oh that's awesome mm -hmm. and I you know generally the two of them are very supportive of each other in this episode and I yeah. think that's really important yeah. in general to see that their relationship has this foundation of support mm -hmm. and especially after like what they the whole trouble they had earlier with with mm -hmm. Blaine feeling sort of left yep. out and stuff so yeah, yeah exactly mm -hmm. yep um and then yeah we kick off this June Dalloway arc 
Um, it's so funny. Kurt drops so many names in this. Like she did this with this, that, and that. And I felt for a minute, I'm like, this doesn't exactly feel like Kurt. This feels like Ryan Murphy name dropping, but okay. Um, <laughs> but so, so yeah, yeah. But I can see him knowing these people and knowing a lot about mm-hmm. it and being really yeah. well informed. I can see that. So, what do you think of Blaine's? Oh, go ahead, Connie. No, go ahead. Well, for. Blaine and, and then Blaine said something like, "Well, should I know that every broad or I don't know the exact line, but he said, so should I know every Broadway star or something when he was yeah. rattling all these names?" Yeah, I just thought that was interesting. I wondered what you guys thought. Where Blaine is like, "I don't know every single diva legend that we're supposed <laughs> to know." But that 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 seems weird because like he was the he's the one who's like reading the show choir blogs and so so he seems yeah. like the one who would also be very into all of that so yeah. yeah that seems a bit out of character but mm-hmm. so yeah um so yeah it's a little short scene and then they're gonna go practice together i look i think it's so funny this scene is interestingly i think there's a little bit of problems with the writing and the scene just because at the end they're like okay let's go practice together and they just go walk off and it just seems like <laughs> <laughs> well and I, I thought maybe it's just me but i thought chris choice of the duet i was was interesting because I'm like I, I think he would be I would be well I thought he would be the last person to choose choose a One Direction song right exactly yeah. I uh, that now that I think of it that's you've hit the nail on the head mm-hmm. it's a weird choice that Kurt would try mm-hmm. something pop related which would be a little bit more Blaine's Wheelhouse when Kurt is traditionally known for singing these grand um, Broadway songs and mm-hmm. I think. They they picked it because, and we'll get more into it when we actually talk about the performance. I, I yeah. think it was intentionally geared. There's a couple of lines in it that are intentionally geared towards June. And I think they also picked it so that Blaine could feel a little bit more comfortable on it than Kurt. Um, maybe he was trying to be hip and trendy and trying to show off that like he can do lots of things besides Broadway, but... Um, yeah, but Backstreet yeah. Squad was like that's a weird song choice. It's not <laughs> really an exciting song. Well, it doesn't really exactly. It's not really good for Kurt's voice. So, yeah, it seems like <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's form, as yeah. Blaine points out, five people sing that song. It's a boy band song. Yeah. Well, how is Kurt gonna do all five? You know, and that's a good question. I don't know. I'm not entirely sure. I understand what Kurt's thought process was with that. Now that yeah, I think either. of it. Yeah. <laughs> so. Probably, that was probably, yeah, let's be real. It probably was a popular song at the time. I don't know. Did yeah. it come out around that time? And they just wanted someone to sing it. <laughs> right. I, th- I think I, it was because One Direction was really big at that point. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I also, yeah. okay, sorry. I don't, oh, I don't know. They haven't um, really done a whole lot of Broadway stuff um, in season five in general. I, I so, I, and I don't know. Maybe if they were still trying to not have them do a whole lot of Broadway, maybe because they were doing a duet, they wanted to. You know, it's kind of a shame we never really get a clean duet that's a Broadway stuff. And I think they would have both been really great doing a Broadway duet. Yeah, that's kind true. Now that you, yeah, yeah. Hmm. yeah, that's interesting. Now that you mention it, I never thought about that. But yeah, you would think if they're in New York and since they're in a Miata, it would be 
obviously go down the the Broadway duet route, but no. Right. <laughs> no. Well, I'm just thinking Rachel and Blaine get at yeah, least Rachel two Blaine Broadway that, duets. Yeah. They got yeah. the Broadway baby, and in season six, they'll get suddenly Seymour. Um, so, yeah, interesting. I don't know. Anyway. All right. So then we get the starting of the third plot line of this the episode, which is Mercedes and Santana. And I I actually really enjoy this this um this plot line. Mercedes mm. comes home and she's basically like she, Santana's there, um, just gotten off the diner. She's still working at the diner. And Mercedes is like, look, I'm not, you know, I'm having trouble with this um this I'm having trouble with this track. If I don't get the track done, we'd lose the album. You know, I'm just having issues with it. And Santana kind of like picks her up and tells her she's awesome. And Santana is really nice in this episode. Mm, and it is yeah. kind of refreshing to see yeah, a, a nicer side of Santana. Yeah, yeah that was. Yeah, because I, I like two things about it. I like, well, first of all, we don't usually get a lot of Santana Mercedes thing together. And it's mm-hmm. a nice friendship, actually. So I like that. And, and yeah, and it's so good to see after all that. Rachel Santana stuff. Um, yeah. It's really nice to see Santana not being the super bitch stuff. Yeah. 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 So no, I, like- I agree with you. And she, I mean, she calls herself, um, she identifies herself as a bitch. So I think it's okay to be like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, she, she's okay. You know, to call her that, but um, I, I agree. I really like Mercedes and Santana's friendship. I think it is one of the most genuine. I think Mercedes in general is such a nice person mm-hmm. that she kind of just meshes with everybody and is able to be friends with everybody in a way that all the rest of the characters seem to be in competition with each other. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, so it's nice that, you know, yeah, Santana is having this kind of feeling of like, I'm just, you know, stuck and everybody around me is doing things. But at the same time, she is definitely, you know, she's there for Mercedes quite a bit in this episode. And she'll later she'll, we'll talk about how she was there for Rachel. Um, but it's, again, I wish they, I mean, they kind of keep this character for the rest of the series. She's not in a whole lot of the rest of the series, but it's a nice change to see somebody who's using, she can still be, you know, sharp and and edgy and have the bite to her, but not at the characters that we already love. So. Well, she said something in a later scene with Rachel at the end of the episode that I thought kind of summed it up pretty nicely, but I'll wait until we get to that scene to to talk about it. Um, The other thing with Mercedes album though, I like, I don't always think that, um, Glee knows what it's doing with some of its plot lines um, and professionalisms and stuff like that. But I think that they really get a lot of things right with Mercedes' album in this particular episode. And yeah, she comes in and she's like, you know what, if I don't get this done, I lose the album deal. And I do think there's a, a realness to, you know, you have some of the um, behind the scenes stuff of making an album. And I, I will get into that more when when certain Santana comes more on board, but, um, uh, yeah, I just really like it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we go back to the theater and we get, uh, the wake me up, a montage where Rachel is singing wake me up by Avicii. I think this mm-hmm. the, was the band's yeah. name. Yeah. And, um, I actually think this is kind of cool. I, you see Rachel and you see the repetitiveness of doing, I mean, when you really sit and think about it, you're doing eight shows a week, 
And most people are on Broadway six months to a year. So you're doing that a bazillion times, you know, you're going through that plane, you're doing it a lot. And, um, it can, you know, for somebody like Rachel, this has been, you know, something she's dreamed about forever and ever. But when you get there and the reality of what the job really is, um, I know a lot of people have said, well, I don't believe Rachel would get sick of it after, you know, this, you know, that short of time, because it only been a month. And I'm like, okay, maybe they could have waited a little bit more. But mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you guys think about um, the fact that, you know, the monotony is really kind of growing on her and then this performance? Well, I really, um, I think I understand. I think the montage stuff is well done. And, and, and I think it's, it's pretty, it's true that it, it's probably a lot uh, harder and a lot, maybe a little bit more boring than, than, than people expect when you, when you wait for so long for your dream to come true. And then it maybe isn't all that you dreamed of, but yeah, I have a problem with, the fact that it happens so quickly for her. So, so that is sort of that. I'm, I'm a bit frustrated by that because we've spent four seasons talking about how Broadway is her dream. And yeah, it's it just it happens a bit too quickly for me because I feel mm-hmm. like, yeah, I, I understand that it's and especially because I think I mean, that is ludicrous, but she's the fact that she's still doing school and her part up in the in the restaurant and stuff um yeah so i get that it's really difficult but yeah it for me it happens too quickly and it yeah it just goes from okay broadway is the dream to actually broadway is kind of boring in in like one episode and that's a bit too much for me Mm -hmm. i'd like to add a little bit of another perspective i think on that um sure at first at first i thought this the, I agree with the two of you that I thought it was a little bit too quick, quick, you know, switch. But then I thought back into the very beginning when she was talking with her agent or the whoever that pink guy is. And remember he, <laughs> we'll call remember him the agent. Yeah, <laughs> the agent. Remember he said, well, she thought it would be a springboard. She thought that um, this show would be a springboard to, or to something else, I guess, because she was mm-hmm. saying, well, you know how all the stars get, you know, Broadway stars get to explore TV and movies and how he squashed it down and said, no, he, you know, we talked about, the, he said, you have a, you know, you, you should be remaining on Broadway, you don't have a face for TV or movies. And then he was saying, well, he was thinking that, oh, this could go on for years and years and stuff. So, I think in the context of that, I mean, she was definitely taken aback by that. So if you think about that within, when she's when she's thinking about going through the everyday rigmarole of the um, doing all these shows, I, I thought I thought in the context of, well, no, she felt kind of trapped because she thought that uh, she didn't see like it out of this because if she's if she thought she was doing it going to be really long term, then it becomes to be even more repetitive and repetitive. Because she mm-hmm. thought, I mean, yes, she thought this is her dream job, but she thought it, it might be a step to something else or she wanted to explore her options. But now after she got kind of a reality check by her agent, that I think that kind of this job turned into something 
else to her she can't get out of because she thinks more long term. She think maybe she thinks that she's gonna be in this role for years and years. Right. And the agent did say, you know, you're gonna be playing Fanny Bryce for the next fifteen to twenty years. And yeah. that I can see that feeling like a weight. Like if you know, if you're like, Oh, okay, I'll do this for a year or two and then move on to something else and yeah. try something else, then it's fine. But if you somebody says to you, Okay, you're gonna be doing this for twenty years then yeah. the monotony can be feel really heavy. Yeah, um, and, that, and that's where that's how I kind of view that kind of montage. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I do agree on the other hand that it was quick. But if you think about in that the other context, then yeah. I can sort of understand kind of the added weight, as you said, of that. Right, and I think ultimately, I mean, as much as Glee plays with time. Um, you know, there is a really good story here, but they have to compress it because they can't drag this, you know, they can't jump another five years into the future where she's yeah. been playing for Fanny for five years. Um, so it does, it, it, you know, it does, does feel a little weirdly paced. Um, but at the same time, I see the story that they're going for. Mm-hmm. So like in all things with Glee, we have to like bend reality a little bit and be like, okay. Um, <laughs> I think but, it's yeah, just, then, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I think the problem, I, I think it's a bit of a common theme throughout this episode that kind of frustrates me. And that is how no none of these people are realistic in terms of yeah. what their career and what their job means. And, and I think that's why, yeah, because like all of them, it's with Kurt who thinks, or sort of, who th- like you mentioned, how they have to do everything together, which is sort of an unrealistic um, thing to 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 think about um and also yeah mercedes who who thinks she has to who wants who wants to be nice to santana and give her a job we'll talk about that later i think but mm-hmm. yeah but then again that's really unrealistic and and rachel who should know better and or she because she's yeah because the broadway was her dream all along she should know what it's like to be on broadway and yeah so so the thing right. that yeah, well and that's just kind of what frustrating yeah. to me. it's kind of funny i think in general this show kind of has this all or nothing as dichotomy when talking about performance all of these people mm. are unrealistically i mean okay obviously leah michelle and chris colfer and all of them are relatively young to be getting these first big breaks and amber riley and naya rivera well naya rivera had been around for a long time but uh, you know all of these kids basically getting this first huge job okay but that they're all not from the same high school either so the fact that all of these kids from the same high school are getting recording contracts and broadway shows and whatever after being out of high school for a month (laughs) Is yeah. not realistic, yeah. and in general, I'm I am really sad that we lost the Finn storyline of him being a teacher because, and they do give it to Sam a little bit um, when he goes back to to McKinley in season six, but um, you know, not everybody is going to be a star on Broadway, and yeah, while they're telling yeah. the story with Rachel about how sometimes dreams aren't exactly what you want them to be, um, I do think there's value in the stories that are, okay, well, I went out there and I tried that and I decided I want to come home and be a, uh, a teacher instead, mm, yeah. um, which is again, what they do with Sam or what they would have done with Finn. So, um, yeah. And the whole, I love performing and I love music, but let's just keep it as a hobby and maybe, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that I think what you mentioned, Lisa, about all the characters, I think that plays into the title of the episode a bit. I mean, it, 
because it, the title is the backup plan, and it seems like these none of these storylines that's what we're talking about now. It seems like none of them have a backup plan. Oh, I mean, yeah, Rachel is like, oh yeah, yeah. Rachel is like, okay, Broadway and thing, or she didn't have anything other than that. Mm-hmm. Kurt, he, he, I mean, he acquiesces later on, but he always thinks that they're a team, and he doesn't think about anything else other than that. Mer- yeah. Mercedes has this record deal, and she doesn't know what to do after, you know. If she didn't get that. I mean, so I think that plays into the title some. And it also plays up to, mm-hmm. into the later storyline when Santana steps in mm-hmm. later on. To be the backup, because she yeah. is the backup plan for both San- mm-hmm. or Mercedes and for yeah. Um, yeah, for mm-hmm. Rachel. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I like yeah, when that's... Glee actually has layers on it. Because sometimes it's just new new york which is like that's not even a good one but you know 100 sometimes it hits and sometimes it misses in a big way so yeah, yeah. um so after we after and just in general i i they slow the song is actually um wake me up is actually an originally very fast song mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. slow it down and i actually like this arrangement yeah. um yeah i think it kind of but but uh, afterwards we get um, Rachel getting a visit from a gentleman named Lee Paulblatt, who is an LA producer for Fox, which of mm-hmm. course is reference to Fox because they're on Fox here. Yeah. And um, I I this is Jim Rash from the show Community, and I think he's absolutely hilarious in this little bit role that <laughs> yeah, he does. I love the role. <laughs> He's very LA producer. <laughs> like yeah. I don't know what LA producer. I don't know any like, LA producer. <laughs> and I, I think it was a little, I, I think it was a good play on the name Lee Paulblatt because there's the I don't remember which the which is the head of NBC, but the the NBC's head is I forgot his first name, but is Greenblatt, I think. So I uh, thought it maybe was they. I, I would have to look. I wonder what ABC and CBS's heads are. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. wonder if it's... I'll have to look that up. Yeah, I thought they it probably, was... <laughs> um, they probably squished a bunch of people together. but mm-hmm. And this doesn't really usually happen. I, but I do like the whole, like, just his double talk and his... Um, I don't know. It just... He's talking nonsense and he's mm-hmm. like using a lot of buzzwords and but he, yeah. I don't know. No. <laughs> it doesn't seem like a real person, but I still it's funny that Jim Rash he also played this exact kind of character. Um I was watching one of the Marvel movies and he, he's talking to um Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. and it's the same like character except for like not like of course in this this particular position he's got all the power over rachel but in that one he's like this nobody who's like mm-hmm. let me you know let's do lunch and we can do this and blah blah, blah. and it's just like it's the same character mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway yeah but um but yeah so he basically says hey you know we want you audition for a tv show and i can see rachel Wanting to jump on that, I can because after you know you're gonna be in Broadway forever, and you don't you're not gonna be able to go on TV, and for for somebody you know to say hey come and audition, yeah, like she doesn't know yeah. any better. She doesn't know that 800 people will come audition for this particular role, so she's like yeah let's let's probably let's see if I can do that. Like somebody threw a lifeboat or something, or life <laughs> a lifeline or something. So yeah, of course she would jump on it. I mean, believe me. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I actually think there's nothing wrong with her trying. I mean, yeah, it's just an no. audition. I mean, I, I mean, I guess she's probably jumping to conclusions and thinking she <laughs> oh, yeah. already has a job and then mm-hmm. she'll be the big uh, movie, you know, TV star when she really should be more realistic about it and just think about it as, oh, okay, let's just try an audition and see how it goes. But yeah. But yeah, well, I and think- sometimes I do think there is a realness to, okay, well, I'm committed to the show. They're actors, I've heard, you know, just in Scuttlebutt, they say, okay, I've had to pass on a role because I can't do it. I'm committed to something else. Mm-hmm. And that happens. Like, you, sometimes yeah. you can't, you cannot take every opportunity that comes your way because you end up like Rachel in this episode and you leave a trail of disaster in, mm. you know, <laughs> as you go along. So, um, okay. So she then talks, this is an interesting scene. I really would like to get you guys' opinion on this. Rachel talks to her producer, Sydney Green, about wanting to take a day off. And he was like, no, you're going to do this. You're going to do this forever and you can't take mm. a break and blah, 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 blah. And I, while I think that it, like, no, she would not be able to, like, get out of her contract or no, she can't. I'm surprised, like, I'm sure they're allowed to have, like, a day off. I mean, that is what an understudy is for. Um, so his, like, ref- absolute refusal to give her a day off is kind of surprising to me. But I don't know. I don't know how Broadway works, so. Yeah, me neither. But I guess, I mean, I guess it's a bit short notice. I'm, I, I mean, she doesn't right. explicitly ask for it. But I guess it wouldn't be like, um, can I get a day off tomorrow? It would probably have to be, yeah, planned in advance, I guess. Yeah, and then it yeah. would. They should be able to do that, but I don't know how it works. So, yeah, right. And I do well, think he he does seem a bit too extreme, to, a little bit too strict. I think. Yeah, I realize. I mean, it's to set the plot up later, and for her to have some consequences when it um, doesn't work. But um, yeah, I think most of the time, if you need a day off. I mean, I wonder if she, you know, if she's contracted for the first, like she has to do the first four months of shows, but, um, hmm. I don't know. Like I said, I but don't like, know how Broadway also, contracts work. <laughs> I mean, the one thing I know about Broadway is that you rarely get any refunds. If the, even if one of the main characters is like, if one of the main people is out and the understudy goes in, and I really mm-hmm. would have to be a very, very significant person because otherwise it would because he's talking about how he can't she can't take a day off because they would have to give refunds to the people and stuff and i don't well, think that's yeah true. and no i don't think it's true but i also like um i mean your show would have to be completely your understudy would not also fall off the stage and if there was there's usually <laughs> maybe two understudies or like yeah because there's something or somebody else in the in the cast can they could switch it up because I've seen like you know you ever go to a play and they're like and so and so is filling in for so and so today mm-hmm. I mean they would grab somebody yeah. Yeah. like the show goes on like you would it would be I've never heard of it's not like you know you go to a, a football game and it gets rained out and then you you know you get tickets for the next game or something like that that just doesn't happen yeah there's always somebody there to pick up right. the slack if they can't do it so the fact that the producer has put himself in a pickle with having an understudy who's that bad <laughs> at her job <laughs> is you know <laughs> uh, so 
Okay, so we moved back to Mercedes and Santana, and they're in the recording studio. And I kind of like the little like opening of the scene where Mercedes and Santana are trying to work out a couple of riffs. I don't yeah. know. It's just a nice mm-hmm. little touch. Um, yeah. But basically, it's they, the song isn't working, and so um, they decide to um, Santana suggests taking it out, and then they go into do wop that thing. Yeah, and. The- and the producer was singing. One other thing I like to point out because I remember this, but the producer he he was a well known actor from CSI, and it was a, mm-hmm. I think they it made a little bit of noise when he was cast because I think he had personally gone through a lot of personal problems. So so and this was like his first uh, scroll back in a long time. His name is Gary mm. Gordon, I think, and I just remembered that. It was kind of a little late, but it was good to see him. And he, I think he's the one that said something like, well, Bruce Springsteen did his uh, recording in an elevator or something. So mm-hmm. he kind of, I'm glad that he was open to the idea. idea yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah, but that's, exactly. Yeah. I think it's, a, yeah, I think it's a realistic thing to happen. Because I, mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes mu- musicians are like, okay, it doesn't work in the studio. Let's just try something else. I think that's, I think that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, I think that that's, um, a, you know, a thing that happens in all kind of art fields like this isn't working. Mm. Let's try something new. And mm-hmm. I, I like this guy. I like, I think yeah. unlike the Sydney green character, who's Rachel's producer, who's like a little bit over the top, crazy dude. This guy <laughs> seems like, he seems like a good fit. He seems chill. He seems like he knows the business very well, but mm-hmm. is very a kind guy. And after all this stuff that uh, Mercedes was having issues with, with the previous album deal that she had, it's nice to see that like this guy will tell it like it is. And he's very nice to her, but he's also very professional and he knows his job. Yeah. And so, um, I don't know. It's a good character. I kind of, I, in some ways, I think the Mercedes storyline, which isn't as developed as racial stuff, is um, more interesting in some respects because I think it, it keeps it a little bit more real. Um, mm-hmm. So, but yeah. So, what do you guys think of the song, the the duet that Mercedes and Santana do? I liked it a lot. I think they I think they played well off there um, because whenever they duetted uh, past, I think they 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 had they. We're good duet partners, I think, and the way they harmonized and traded off and everything, I I thought this was a good fit. (laughs) So did we ever get confirmation of what Santana's holding? Was it a speaker? (laughs) That brick (laughs) thing she... I don't know. I have no idea. uh, I I was wondering what that was. I'm like, what is she holding and why is she (laughs) Holding it. Was that a speaker or something? I don't know. It might, I don't know. It might have been what was recording. I don't know what it was. But mm-hmm. anyway, I guess I don't I don't know. Well, what did you think about the song? Oh, I liked it. I it's interesting to me. It went they did the whole song and it was about four or five minutes, which is a little long for Glee's performances. But mm-hmm. I think because they just didn't have like they're because of the storylines, it's just three storylines and they're not trying to cram in eighty-five characters. These stories are all have room to breathe, and so it's fine. It was fine. The length yeah. didn't necessarily bother me. Um, mm. Their their voices are wonderful together. I yeah. think Santana and Mercedes. Um, you know, we've gotten a, a little bit of them throughout the series, but not enough. I think there was a mm. lot of yeah. really good 
and missed opportunities yeah. uh, through, you know, that they could have developed the friendship more after the season three trouble tone stuff. They could have developed a lot of things. And I think both characters would have benefited from it. Um, mm-hmm. I still think Mercedes should have, she should have been in the season four cast on the New York side from the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. but this is a, again, I think this is a great plot line and I, I'm sad that we didn't get more Mercedes and Santana because I think that they're good characters together. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And they sound good together. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, Mercedes is one of those voices where I'm trying to think if there's anybody that she doesn't sound good with because there are definitely, like, when you pair up. Oh, I'm not thinking of anybody off the top of my head, but there are a couple of pairings when you pair them up and I'm like, yeah, their members or styles don't match that well yeah. or, you know, stuff like that. But Mercedes can kind of adapt to everybody's style very yeah. well. And you can pretty much throw anything at her and she can knock it out of the park. And I think she's one of the characters that if you put somebody with her, it elevates you. Um, mm-hmm. And, and so, um, so that's why yeah, you know. But I just think Santana too. I think Santana too um, is because that's a good voice to sing in duets and stuff. Because mm-hmm. I mean, she obviously didn't get a lot of solos and stuff, but she's. I think she always sounds great when she when she sings. Oh yeah. Well, I'm just thinking back to when they did. How will I know? And it was Rachel Cart, Mercedes, and Santana, and they oh, balanced no. the voices really yeah. nicely, and it was just gorgeous. And sometimes I'm yeah. like, you don't have to worry so much about auto tuning your actors. I mean, if yeah. these these kids yeah. can yeah. sing, let them sing. I mean, don't you know? I, I, at this point, they've got the people who can sing. Yeah. L- I was on so the cast, annoyed so. with the auto tune. Yeah, yeah. the auto tune really gets to me in some cases. Yeah, yeah. well, and it's a lot of times they overdo it when the before. I mean, they're doing in production. They have eight days to get the, one of these episodes done, and and a mm-hmm. lot of the performances begin to suffer. And you, that's when you heard, you know, people had, you know, if you go in and you're like, okay, you have to get this in one try, and if yeah. they don't, they have mm-hmm. to auto tune it. So you can yeah. sometimes tell that they they were just pressed for time, and so, but like again, like with this kind of stuff, since there aren't as many plot lines going, yeah. they have the time to actually take care. All of these performances are really good in this yeah. episode and in most of the New York arc because they're not like running around pressed for time the way they were um, when they have to get fifteen different mm-hmm. storylines in there and seven different different songs and all this other jazz so but then you've got like i said you have the characters who can sing the best left on the show right now um so yeah. so that's my yeah. two cents I, I wish they had more time like like you said they, it was a, just a missed opportunity they, they couldn't couldn't develop that well not that storyline but just the character two characters together because mm-hmm. They just worked well with each other, and they, you know, they you can tell that they had good uh, screen chemistry. I mean, not, uh, I mean, they played off each other well, so that's good. Oh, well, well, that's Glee for you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're always thinking one more of any yeah. of everyone. So that's, Glee yeah. should have been <laughs> retitled Missed Opportunity. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... Okay, so moving on, we get um, this short little Rachel and Kurt scene where where Kurt's getting ready for his uh, performance of the night, and Rachel's talking, and she's talking herself into calling in sick so that she can go on this audition, and she's talking, and she's saying things like, you know, Hugh Jackman and Meryl Streep and all these other Broadway performers made in television and movies, and and Kurt's like, well, you know, you know. 
you, you know, most of them didn't quit their show after a month. You know, yeah. most of them <laughs> have spent time building their career up. I mean, yeah, I mean, a voice Street took reason. some time. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hugh Jackman took time. But also, like, these other characters, like, these other, these other actors and actresses that she mentions, you know... Uh, they they took time to develop their career and Rachel's just jumping ship from one thing to another kind of without any kind of direction. Mm -hmm. Um, Does she really know what she wants? It doesn't seem like she does. And Mm -hmm. that's what Kurt's there to, and I'm also a little eye rolly in that yet again, Kurt is like subjected to like, he's got his own performance, you know, coming up. He's got his own stuff going on and Rachel's like another Rachel issue is happening on the horizon. And Kurt has to rescue eventually, or at least yeah. yeah. It just it's a tired dynamic. Um, he's he is understandably irritated with her, and I and he yeah. has been actually for most of the New York arc. He has been kind of annoyed ever since, really ever since like the front enemies and the Santana and Rachel stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a lot of just irritation on Kurt's part. I'm guessing a lot of it is going to lead up to the old dog's new trick stuff, but yeah. yeah, So, Uh, so um, then we get into, we get into story of my life, which we brought up a little bit earlier. This is the Kurt and Blaine duet that they sing Mm -hmm. for June. Mm -hmm. And let me, I'll say this, I'll throw this out there. Then you guys can, comment on it um on the kurt side of this first of all i want to say that his vocals are beautiful there's nothing wrong with the way he sings the song it does remind me a little bit of the animal performance where he's trying too hard so some of the choreography gets a little stupid and when they go to meet june he's the stupid look on his face um It's funny, but it's also like, oh, okay, you're doing this for plot. It's also, it reminds me of Animal, but it also reminds me of the audition and the West Side Story stuff where there's this conversation of, you know, Blaine kind of, I want to, not necessarily with the, with the gay aspect of it, but Blaine being this kind of charming performer and Kurt struggling. And I like that kind of story more than the internal stuff they're going to give us later on we'll talk about that in a minute but um i don't know i i but i would i just wanted to point out that vocally when you listen to the studio recording but even in the episode he has his voice is beautiful and there's nothing wrong with the way that he's actually singing it's just his weird antics that he's doing physically yeah comparative (laughs) to blaine being mr suave and charming I think I like this song better when I'm listening to it. Just the audio, like 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 a single, like like um, just listening to it rather than seeing it. If I see it, I got the same reaction to, as you, Pam. I I was a little bit jarred by it because there's nothing wrong with his vocals. His vocals are beautiful, but if you pair that with his mannerisms and things like, it just kind of threw me a bit. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was, and I I thought he was trying a bit too hard to over oversell or overplay you could tell that it's not it didn't come as naturally to him as it did to Blaine and you could tell that you know by June's reactions that she was she was gravitating more towards Blaine than 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 Kurt because he because Blaine is the more charming one on stage and and things so uh, yeah I thought but I go ahead sorry 
Oh, no, no. I was just going to ask you guys. I think that the story might have actually played better for me if he had actually not hammed it up. If they had him play it straight. And because then it gives June a definite doing it this way, gives June a definite, Oh, I have to take blame because Kurt looks dumb on stage yeah. <laughs> and not just, you know, I'm going to pick Blaine because I gravitate towards Blaine the way a lot of people gravitate towards Blaine, <laughs> even though Kurt's just as good. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, if they had played it straight, then her choosing Blaine instead of Kurt would have, I don't know. It would have been, it would have just made more sense to me. Then it wasn't like there's no just because it, it would have leaned more towards Kurt's just a harder person to get on board with right mm-hmm. off the bat. Where Blaine is like, I mean, they could have just had Blaine do all the really charming aspects and Kurt just singing, and, and she would have picked him. And mm-hmm. then Kurt going, okay, well, you know, I still have to like keep going and not being. And not that he does, not that he does like, ham, you know, rag on his own performance, but I didn't yeah. need the extra hamminess of it. Yeah. If that makes well, any sense. Think, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's, um, yeah, it would have been actually interesting. I think so too. I never thought of it that way. But yeah, because, and it's also just something that it happens. Like you often have two people who are similarly good and they are great performers, but for some reason, one of them will get the job or get the, fame or the recognition or whatever um and the other will not and that you can say that's unfair but that's what life is so yeah i think it would have been interesting to actually do it that way and not because you're you're right with with that going from that performance it's actually not a very hard choice between lane and kurt because kurt really wasn't that good in that performance yeah yeah well, and there's something else I wrote down that it, I mean, that can be discussed in that, the season finale and all that, you know. But I thought when I was thinking about this performance, I was thinking about American Boy, the one that they do with the finale, the season mm-hmm. finale, and, and kind of comparing mm-hmm. those two. And that's a whole nother discussion to say for, you know, for later on the oh, episode okay. discussion. But, but we can still yeah. talk about it a little bit here. I mean, yeah. if you are, are, what were your thoughts, though, Connie? That like, uh, he just performed way better than he when he was in a more natural environment, or no, no. I just thought. I mean, well, I was thinking about when we were talking about Kurt overselling it, and you know things. But and then when I was talking about it, it just occurred to me when I was we were thinking about you know the American Boy or that performance. They're both kind of playing off each other and you know, he was I don't know if he was overselling it but he was definitely more relaxed and in himself mm-hmm. I think because you could see he was getting up on the piano and everything and they they just didn't they didn't have any I think they were singing kind of uninhibited yeah. sort of, sort of, well, sort of thing. this particular performance was so uh, like at least, that's why I compare it to the animal performance of season two he's trying so hard to be <laughs> yeah something that he kind of flounders at it but when kurt's in a natural and comfortable state yeah. he shines and, yeah. I, and that american boy as we will get into it in the finale um you know he and blaine have a great chemistry together and when they're yeah. kind of in sync and and relaxed and enjoying each other and playing off each other it, you can see their chemistry come through mm, yeah again like, yeah. yeah so and that's i, I mean 
in that way, you know, in, in that performance, June is forced then to see both of them as a unit. Yeah. And, oh, wow, they really work together. And I, like, again, that's why I said I kind of wish like, this one didn't ham it up because then she could just be focusing on yeah. Blaine. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, then not even notice Kurt. And I think there's a more, you know, better conversation than, wow, she didn't notice him at all. Versus, oh, he's being stupid. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to pick that. Does that make? Mm-hmm. I guess it makes sense. So, mm-hmm. um, what do we think of Shirley MacLaine? This is her, you know, June Dalloway. What do you guys think of the character? We get our first little taste of her in the scene. I, I mean, I love. I think it's so so much fun. I yeah. love that whole story <laughs> out a lot. <laughs> And I think she's, I think Shirley McLean, just the, the way that she's an actor and the, the character she plays, I think she was a good fit with this role. She definitely like pulls off that, like, rich old broad mm-hmm. who yeah. has, you know, you can tell she's the kind of person who just doesn't really care about, like, poor people. And yeah. Just, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But. Um, the end of the scene is a, I'm a little like side eye the direction on this when she's like looking at them both and she keeps yeah. like her. I'm like this is they kind of shot this differently. It just looks weird. I'm like this feels weird, but um, but you know when I, I want to point out between Kurt and Blaine because there's some really great stuff going on here because. Kurt's getting excited because she thinks he's talking about him. And Blaine is not looking remorseful. He is so excited for Kurt yeah. when he thinks that it's going to be Kurt. And he is completely shocked. Mm. And again, it, it actually goes back to, like I said, the West Side Story stuff. When Blaine was like, I'll just be, you know, Bernardo or Officer Krupke. I'm like, I don't need Tony. And like, will you read for Tony? And he's just like, what? Like, yeah. you know... Which and is so like, interesting, just like as a contrast to what he was in the Warblots, right? It's always yeah. been that mm-hmm. interesting part of the whole Blaine storyline. How he was such yeah. a natural leader and solos in the Warblots and then, yeah, kind of. Well, and I still, I, I still think he is a leader. I mean, I think season four and the first part of season five, he steps it up and he is a leader. But I think that when it comes to Kurt... He is more than happy to share that yeah. spotlight with Kurt um, than to take it off for himself. Mm. Um, I think he's also more aware of Kurt struggling in things, and mm-hmm. he's more apt to make sure. Well, in general, I think this he's with, this with everybody. He is in he's encouraging, and he wants people to succeed. The, the, the people that he loves to succeed, so he's okay sharing spotlight with other people. Yeah. So. Yeah, his reaction, this just facial reaction that goes back to the two of them again. I mean, this priceless. Like you can see mm-hmm. everything in the, you know, his expression. Um, so then we get our our next scene is a clean scene, which is one of my favorite clean scenes. I think <laughs> it's so great. So we basically get. Um, Blaine getting ready for the dinner that June has, um, has invited him to. And I like the little touches. I mean, they're Kurt's helping him get ready. You know, they're just being very old married couple in this particular scene. And I mean, we all, we all are always starving for domestic Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. exactly. And this entire scene is just domestic. I mean, and I like how, 
you know, Kurt says, you know, I'm, I'm a little jealous, but I'm not resentful, mm-hmm. you know, and he has this moment of like at the end when he's like, you know, Blaine leaves and he's just like a little bit sad, yeah. but it's not, it's not any kind of, he's not resentful towards Blaine. He's just sad for himself for not being able to meet up to other people's standards. Yeah. And you could see the conflict with him going to he's trying to wrestle it out because mm-hmm. I was like, I wish I could get a ticket for you or something. And I, maybe I should just stay home and watch. Scandal. Um, <laughs> yeah, Scandal. And I thought it was interesting. One of the lines stood out for me that uh, in particular, he said, he said, well, you know, they were thinking about talking about having friends. And uh, Kurt said something about June is one of the good friends to have. And, and and Blaine says I don't want to be one of her projects or something. And I thought that was that line stood out to me as like oh get that one of the key lines. Well, and it's it's interesting because um, Kurt actually says I don't really think that you and June are friends. Oh, and yeah. I think that Kurt gets. Kurt gets that this is a professional thing that I think that had he been the one chosen, I think that he would have understood a little bit more that June is kind of using him yeah, and he's okay in that where we'll get, we'll see the conflict where Blaine is like, Oh, I've made a new friend. We're going to be okay. And he kind of starts to see how June doesn't think that way, yeah. even though she's going to claim a lot about friendship, but um, yeah. it's all shallow. Um yeah. But I, the, the the line that I also I find kind of weird is that I don't want a friend that'll take me away from you, and yeah. I'm like, well, that's yeah. like, again, you can't spend. We've just been through this, guys. You can't spend every freaking <laughs> second with each other. <laughs> but um, as we'll see, like maybe they're still trying to work on the relationship and their balance of their relationship, yeah. and just. We're going to find out that Blaine is going to end up spending an incredible amount of time to the point where Kurt doesn't see him very often. Yeah. And that is an underlying thing that you can, it's almost the opposite of what's going on in New New York when they're spending way too much time together. Like when you're not seeing your spouse. Yeah. You know, it depends. It's what everybody else, everybody has their own balance in a relationship. Some people do like doing everything together. Some people will go months without seeing their significant other, and that's fine. But Mm. it's about them trying to figure out a balance. Yeah. Um, We don't really get a lot of conversation on it, but I do think it's an underlying theme in there somewhere. And what I what I really think is still um, what what we can really see the progress in the relationship because they are communicating at least. So that's something I really like to see. Yep, they're being pretty honest with each other in this scene. I mean, yeah. Kurt's definitely being very honest about how he feels. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Blaine's uh, like he's ex- he. I wouldn't even say he's just excited about it. He's just like, okay, well, this is a new thing, and yeah, we'll see. And you know, but I love that it was a quiet moment. I mean, you don't mm-hmm. have any really big things going on, but it was just that quiet you know just conversation mm-hmm. between these two which i wish we had more of but uh, of course there's yeah and we we do because i mean the three there are three storylines and i'm glad that they had both like going back to what you said they, they had enough time for the storyline to breathe and i like that part of it but i really love that intimacy of that 
Well, and I, it, it does feel like, you know, a, a married couple who one is going out for the evening while the other one's staying home. Yeah. And because you get the, the fixing the tie, you get the, you know, quick I love you and nothing kisses they leave, yeah. the, you know, go out the door. Um, you get, I like Kurt's line about, he's like, how do I look? And he's like, like, look over a cliff before yeah. the accident. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I everything, like- I mean, it, you know, I, they have a great chemistry together. And I think this scene really sells why these two work well. Cause yeah, there's a little mm-hmm. bit of tension in this scene, a little bit of conflict, mm-hmm. but I never doubt how they feel towards each other. I never doubt that this is something that they're both a very comfortable scene and that they're both comfortable with each other when the situation may not be the greatest ideal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. All right. Did I miss anything in that scene? I just like to try and make sure. Okay. No, it's a short sure. scene. Yeah. Okay. Um, so then we get, <laughs> we get Blaine and June at dinner and this is the one top 1% of the 1%. Um, and I want to point out something because a lot of people throughout my travels have claimed that Blaine and his family are rich. And I, mm-hmm. based off the scene, I don't know if I agree. I think that Blaine is well off. I think Blaine doesn't have, pro- his family doesn't have problems with money the way maybe Kurtz does. But I don't think he's rich because everything about this, when she's like, the guy's like, they're holding at $2 million. He's like, oh my God, $2 million? And... Yeah. She's, you know, June's like, no, that's not enough. Like, he is very feeling out of his element in this scene. So, mm-hmm. I don't know if I buy Blaine being uber rich. I think he's high, upper middle class for yeah. Ohio. I agree with you, Pam. I thought that you make a great point. And I, I always thought that he was the upper middle class, but not, like, super, super wealthy type of thing. So... I think I think that was part of him, um, fan. I guess the the part of the fiction, fan fiction that fans wrote in for themselves. But uh, that's just my thoughts. Uh, I was taking. I I was really amused by the fact that two million just seems like a chunk change or something. For, I know for these for these elite people. Yeah. Gee, how much would I love? I wish that two million was uh, like twenty dollars to me, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. like what I what I think is it's probably also. I mean, I guess New York rich rich people is probably very very different from Ohio mildly rich people. You know, right. so so that's why I think it might still. Yeah, it's like country club rich people, so they. They feel like they have a lot of money, but then when you come to New York, it's something else entirely. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not that. I mean, because I feel like there is, there are rich people and then there are super rich people. And I feel like there's even a distinction there. I mean, you get your doctors and your lawyers who are making a lot of money Mm -hmm. and they're relatively well, and you would call them rich. But then there are like the billionaires who I think like June is. And it's just a whole nother level of rich people. It's like... Uh, you know, just way, way up in the stratosphere yeah. type thing. So, yeah. um, which is what this is supposed to be. Like, this is the top 1% of the 1%. So, mm-hmm. 
Um, I'm surprised they didn't have more weird things going on. There was this um, movie, this really old movie uh, in the 90s called Rat Race. And the rich people decided that they wanted to, like, put, like, a million dollars. And they had, like, eight people go out and race for it or something like that. But then they're just watching it and they're really bored. So while they're bored, they have their maids, like hanging off a ledge of a building and then trying to see which one will drop first. And it's really disturbing. Oh but, <laughs> like they're not going to fall and die to their death. It's like two feet off the ground, but still it's like, this is what they're doing because they're bored. They're hiring people mm-hmm. to like hang off and they're taking bets on who will like be the longest one standing or something. And it's like, what? That's this whatever reason that reminds yeah. me of like, um, so I hope that's not what it is like. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't think I'll ever be that rich, which is fine. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, what do you guys so the decide June decides to show off Blaine a little bit and um they sing Peace of Your Heart, and that's the old Janice Joplin Janice Joplin song. Mm-hmm. And what do you guys think of the performance? I liked it uh, for me, but I, I, it was one of the last last time I would ever expect Shirley McLean to sing. But yeah, I think she pulled, I think she pulled it off with June, and of course Blaine. Uh, I think he did a great job. So they played well for each other. I think. Yeah, I mean, I think it was fun. I I thought it was a little bit um, almost. I think there was a, a quite a lot of Darren in the performance. Instead of Blaine, sometimes I thought. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I can see that a little bit. That's okay. I didn't actually rewatch the scene, so I, <laughs> I have to watch it again to get a definite opinion on that. Um, I, I don't know, but I think it's fun. It's a little bit inappropriate at times, but they are aware of it. Yeah, it's a of, little. It, I, and I guess just coming from somebody who doesn't have a lot of money, when I see stuff that I like, here, let me just like throw money at you, and yeah. like, I'm just a little like, okay, this feels a little uncomfortable, <laughs> but you know. Yeah, Lisa, um, I agree with you though. I, I did see some of Darren come out instead of. <laughs> instead I, of yeah. yeah. I will argue though, in his performances across the board through yeah, all seasons, I think when he gets into performance mode, yeah, there's a distinct yeah. Darrenishness to yeah. his performances of Blaine. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And I think that maybe it's just because the song would be a. Because there are some songs that oh, are yeah. definitely Blaine songs, and so it doesn't remind me as much of Darren, but that would be a Darren song, so yeah. Yeah, Maybe I can that. agree with that. Yeah. I can see, and you know, the whole... I, I, do you guys remember the behind-the-scenes um, with this? And it was, you can see... Uh, Darren is with Shirley MacLaine, and Shirley MacLaine's just talking, and, and Darren's um, fiance Mia is off to the side because she was running all of the BTS stuff at the time. Yeah, and just he's throwing her looks and getting all excited, like look at yeah, yeah, Mia, yeah. it's Shirley MacLaine, it's Shirley MacLaine. <laughs> and that yeah. kind of, and I see that kind of I come through in the episode a little bit, like yeah. look Mia, it's Shirley MacLaine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he was a bit. Yeah. He was a bit uh, fanboying, uh, fanboying over her, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I feel like that came out a little bit in this, <laughs> yeah. this particular storyline. So, um, so yeah. Uh, then we get moving back to the Mercedes and Santana. Um, we get 
um, Mercedes going in to talk to her producer about the album. And this is, like I said, I love this scene because the producer spells it out. He says, look, Mm. you know, you have to sell you on this first album. I can't sell you unless you guys are going to become a group. Like you have to be on this album. Santana's great. Uh, we'll get you know her awe at singing backup with a duet. Like you would get you singing with Alicia Keys if you really want to do duet. We'll get yeah. singer on the, Santana mm-hmm. on the backup, and then because the song that recorded is going to be for, like for a second album. Mm-hmm. And you know Mercedes kind of digs in her heels in the way kind of Rachel had done earlier with the producer with her producer. But this producer, I just first of all I think he's just a nicer guy and more realistic. But he's like, look, that's just not the business like if you want to sell yourself and sell you as a product you can't do that you're going to send mixed messages to your listeners on what you are and you need to be coming out you know clear and and you know santana even recognized that she's like look mercedes like you know part of it is you know i'm not worth it but also part of it's like she she recognizes that like look i can get my Mm -hmm. shot another way you have to do this i'm not gonna like you know push on this so yeah, I agree. And I wish I wish in that situation Mercedes would have been a bit more reasonable. Because really what all the people are saying is what the producer says makes sense and and even Santana sees that it makes sense. So I don't really get why she's still why she doesn't seem to be able to accept it at that point. Well, I think she's very much in the headspace of, you know, Santana needs a break, too. And Mercedes is a very loving character. So I think that she's always going to try and put, you know, the benefits of others before herself. And, Mm. yeah. But I I like that, again, like, I like this producer is, you know, telling it like it is. And he's not a jerkwad like the other producer. (laughs) Like, you can't have a sick day. You know, it's it's not... Sorry. Are you okay? Yeah. It's something okay. Sorry. I'm not hurt. No. Okay, good. I just want to make sure nothing fell on you. <laughs> I'm okay. Fine. Um, I think it's a good contrast between the two producers. I mean, you get one who is mm. uptight and over the top and one that's uh, that's kind of, that's realistic, but it tells it like it is, but it's not mean-spirited about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like the one producer is also only interested in what is best for him making money, and and Mercedes producer seems to be interested in how can he help Mercedes be yeah. the, the yeah. most successful. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he's really he. It's it's not about like the, the Rachel's producer. It's all about the show and making money. But yeah. with this producer, he's genuinely like, look, I'm trying to sell you. Mm-hmm. This is what we have to do to sell you. Mm-hmm. And it, it feels a little bit more, um, you know, collaborative and yeah. honest than yeah. the, like, we need to make money on this Broadway show. So yeah. I don't know. I just really like the scene. Yeah, so. me too. Okay. Um, then we go back to Rachel and her LA audition. Oh, my <laughs> oh I love this scene. <laughs> okay. Well, first, let's start off um, with the rose. And I'm going to, I'm just going to throw this out there because I know a lot of people wanted her to sing this. And I do think, I think this is a great song for her. I personally love that it's out of context and that it's like for this ridiculous audition Mm -hmm. and not played straight. I I know a lot of people were upset because they wanted her to sing this for a a legitimate reason in context. And I think it's hilarious out of context, but that's just me. (laughs) Well, my thought was always like, why, how does she not know how an audition works? 
I mean, she apparently has an agent and all that, but shouldn't she be somehow informed about what is about to happen and that she probably won't have clearly for I mean, think about how many things has she actually auditioned for okay let's let's count this down okay <laughs> none of the high school productions because she just got cast automatically yeah. in those so she didn't audition there for niata she choked on her audition and <laughs> then stalked her way into the school so that doesn't really count for fanny <laughs> She just did a couple of singing auditions, and she apparently didn't have to act, even though you would normally have an acting audition. Um, so yeah, why would Rachel know how to do an audition? But I know how an I know how an audition works, and I never plan on auditioning for it. <laughs> I feel like she could maybe know. Well, yeah, she just read the title, called, but they did send her. A yeah, but she explains yeah. her. Yeah, she explains yeah. her reason. Yeah. yeah, but, yeah. Um, but very, I like. What I liked about, oh, sorry. No, no, what, no, go ahead. What I liked about the scene is while she was singing, I liked the, the reactions among the, the, I don't know, the, the people that were, uh, she was singing for. I, their expressions were so, just, mm-hmm. just the range of expressions from, uh, you know, mildly interested to just not interested in. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just that fish out of water, you know, just the well, context is funny. When you think about it, like, let's say you're in, you know, you've seen a million actors, you're sitting in, like, you know, you're a TV producer, you're doing this sci-fi show, and this Broadway actress comes in and sings you a song, mm-hmm. you're like, why are you wasting my time with this? Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I, if I remember correctly... Other than um, Lee Paulblatt, I think all the rest of the people that were the L.A. producers are members of the crew. Um, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think they brought the crew in on that just because they could have fun doing, Mm -hmm. having that kind of scene. Um, But yeah, I, I, you know, but more so, the song is fine, it's funny, but I love the actual audition. (laughs) 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 So... Uh, yeah, the, you get this audition, and it's for a sci-fi show, and it, it like takes all of these sci-fi tropes, and like the whole Gladriel thing is for Lord, yeah. Lord of the Rings, and um, like all it's like this Star Trekish plot, and they make her say, and she just trips over all of these words. It's so funny. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. And, it, and you, you still got this typical blonde, blue, you know, blue-eyed lead of a man. Oh yeah, yeah. You can tell he's like kind of an asshole in real life, and he's yeah. Just, <laughs> But he, he'll make a great James Kirk captain yep. <laughs> for this fake yeah. show. <laughs> um, oh, my God. And, um, you know, somebody brought up, you know, he forces a kiss on her in this audition. And Ooh. somebody mentioned a while ago that it was probably the first person who kissed her after Finn passed away. So that was probably oh, all sorts yeah. of uncomfortable. Um, okay. Yeah. Just in general, I mean, somebody grabbing you and kissing you like that is uncomfortable, but... Yeah, yeah. particularly if you... I mean, of course, this was a couple of years ago now, but if you think about today in the context that we're in right now and with the Me Too movement, and, mm-hmm. you know, this is... A, I mean, it puts a different spin on things. Right. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And... I mean, yeah, it is a funny moment, but at the same time, there's a lot of layers of, ugh, and her face shows yeah. it, and, uh, yeah, so. Yeah. But, um, I just, I, you know, I don't, if 
my personal feelings of Leah Michelle aside, I think she is a great comedic actress. And I think mm. they, for so long, she had they had her doing so many dramatic things that sometimes they forgot that she can do comedy well. And I, I always appreciate when they bring Rachel back to a comedic moment because I yeah. think she's very good at, in the comedy. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. I agree. All right. All right, so we go back to June and Blaine, and we get this, I don't know, lunch scene. And what do you guys, what are your guys' thoughts when, you know, June asks, what is it about me that you like so much? And he's just like, everything, I want to be you. What do you guys think of that? Yeah, isn't it like when he, when he was drunk and just said, I just want to make arts and help people? And that, I think he sees some of that in her. Because she has yeah. the money, so she can just be in the middle of it and help others be successful and I think that's the part that he gravitates to. Okay. I just yeah. wonder because like when I look at you and I'm just like she is just she's not somebody I would want to be friends with. I think she's just very dismissive and she is in for her own gain. And yeah. her her shaping Blaine into something that she wants him to be is more yeah. about her own ego than it is about actually wanting to help Blaine. Yeah, yeah but so. I don't think he sees it at that. No, point. I yeah, so that's why like, he doesn't yeah. know that. No, he no, just no, thinks no, she's a nice. She's okay. She has her quirks, and he, yeah. and she has some strong opinions that he might not agree with. But mm. I think he just sees it as she wants to help people in that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think he approaches it a, a, a bit with naivety, a bit naive, but I mean, who could blame him? Because, you know, it's him. And plus, if we got an opportunity like that, I would probably jump at it too. But And he's probably wanting to absorb all the information he could from her. But yeah. Right. Yeah. I think it goes back to earlier when Kurt and Blaine were talking about whether June's a friend or not. And Blaine yeah. is like, well, yeah, she's a friend. She's trying to be, she's nice to me, blah, blah, blah. And Kurt's like, nah. Yeah, she's just not. And I I think Blaine starts to realize this in the scene as she continues talking, and especially when she advises him to break off his engagement. Right. And it's, I like this because Blaine's first thought, you know, because she says, I want to give you a show to showcase your talent. And he gets excited, and then he's like, I want to bring in Kurt. And, Mm -hmm. you know, she's like, no. And she's so, she doesn't, you know, it's kind of interesting because on one hand, I do understand some of the things like, you know, your first love does not have to be your end love. It does feel like really huge at the time when you're 18, but Mm -hmm. you know, you will go through lots of relationships, but what I don't, she doesn't understand is that Kurt and Blaine have a very deep affection and love for each other that is going to last a long time. And um, just because she, you know, falls in and out of love easily and has these affairs with Howard Hughes and (laughs) whoever, uh, Richard Burton, but um, it doesn't mean everybody's like that. So it's kind of an impasse here, but, and it is again, some of that weird, like we're going to do our careers together. Yeah. Okay. We don't need to do that, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Um, but I do like Blaine saying, look, this is an opportunity for me. This is an opportunity for my fiance. And yeah. my fiance comes with me. Like, we are a matching. We are a salt and pepper shaker. You know, you yeah, can't like have. A, like a package one, deal, sort of. Yeah. 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 Can't have one of us without the other one. So. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I, you know, and again, this is where the show's going to take it a different. And we'll talk about the lie in a, in a minute. But 
I think it would have been interesting if they had played it that Blaine goes back and says, hey, you know, June wants me to to break up with you and them to be faced with, okay, well, where do we go? Mm. You know, what do we do? And for them to make the decision to stay together instead of Blaine just outright lying like we will. I don't I don't know. It's it would have been an, an interesting, but I don't know how that would have played in their season six issues and et cetera, yeah. et cetera. And I don't know, but um, I don't know. Yeah. It's what do you guys? It's interesting if you think about it in the context of the episode, but then if you think now that we know where the storyline is going to go, you know, in the broader picture, you could see, yeah, you know, I could see why they had to go from point A to point B in order to affect something that happened further down the line. But yeah, but. Uh, it would be interesting to see if it could have been done differently and, you know, how, how that could have brought up other topics and things. But in the context of the larger picture, I can see how that plays into the, the drama uh, down the line. The I kind picture. of, while I don't mind Kurt and Blaine having internal issues, because, you know, everybody has internal issues, they never really did a story where it was Kurt and Blaine versus the world. And I think it would have been interesting to have them face on a, a challenge together yeah. um, from an external force. That would have been, I would have loved to see that too. So. I mean, in that case, I guess for practical reasons, they just needed, right. they wanted to to advance or they wanted to keep the June storyline for a while. So yeah. they couldn't bring it to... A clash at that point because that would have been either June saying, "Okay, so let's just break this off, and I won't mm-hmm. support you anymore," and then it would have been over. Or yeah, so I don't really see how that could have been resolved while still maintaining right. the June well, storyline. It's kind of also I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I feel like nothing. I mean, Blaine gets a showcase, and that's the end of that. I mean, there's no real. Stakes. Nothing really ever comes out of the June stuff, okay, anyway. Okay, good. Because so. I, 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 I wrote that down actually, and I because I wanted to ask the question: Did I just forget about it, or does anything no. ever come from that? No, not right? really. I mean, because in season six, he's going to be back in Lima for basically the. I mean, we don't yeah, know. I mean, if we there don't was, know what happens after. You the, know, from yeah. after when he gets back to New York, maybe that happened and that helped with his career, but. Um, in the show canon, it doesn't really amount to anything. And it's the only thing it does is reaffirm Clayne before they break up again. So it, <laughs> whatever, that's yeah. my whole issue. I'm going to say for the finale podcast. Yeah. Um, but well, here what it shows in this case is that Blaine obviously still has his insecurities because he still yeah. feels like he can't be truthful to Kurt because he's, He's afraid that if he disappoints him, he'll break up with him. So, yeah, we still see that yep. Blake's insecurities are still a big yeah. issue. And I think, I do think, one thing I'll throw out there now, because I'm going to start having to really get into this as we get into season six. Something that happens with Blaine is that he is so afraid of Kurt leaving him that he can't function that... It kind of stunts. Now, I'm not saying that Kurt doesn't have a lot of issues. Kurt is the one that's going to be the main issue and break it off. But some of one of Blaine's fear is that if he loses Kurt again, 
he will be able to function as a human being. And I think one of the good things that comes out of that second breakup is the fact that Blaine learns that he can be on his own and be okay without having to rely on Kurt to be there. And I think that is important when they get, you know, they go through that. He goes through that. He gets to his lowest point. He gets therapy, starts working it out. And when they get back together, I think that Blaine will not have that reliance on Kurt that he did through mm. the rest of his earlier seasons. Does that make any sense? I don't know. Yeah, that yeah, makes no, a lot of sense. Okay. So anyway, back to this one. Um, so we get um, um, we get oh, because Rachel, she, you know, she the first time I think I missed this earlier. She had called her manager and said basically, you know, she was really sick and she couldn't make it. So she does the audition. Well, now she calls back and she's like, you know, I want to just reaffirm my love for Broadway and whatever. And I'm going to be, you know, I'll be back. And the guy is like, well, that's good because your understudy fell off the stage. But yeah, so her understudy fell off the stage and it's ridiculous, but now <laughs> she needs to be back. And I love that there's a, the difference between L.A. and New York. New York. Where, you know, New York, you get a taxi and you go and whatever. And L.A. is gridlocks. So, like, you're just yeah. never going to get across town. Um, and, yeah, like, I, I like the I like the taxi cab driver who's like, yeah, I'm an actor. I was an extra in this stupid little thing or something yeah. like that. And, but... And, of course, she has to call Kurt again. Oh, my God. She calls Kurt, and I'm like, you know, it's not Kurt's problem. Like, I I think it's funny. I think his reactions are funny. I I do want to point out a continuity error, and I don't understand how this happens, but Kurt, for one of the shots, doesn't have his ring on because they must have done a take where they forgot to put the ring on or something. And I'm like, how... Like, he has a shot. He's talking to Rachel on the phone. He has his ring. Then there's the next shot, and he doesn't have his ring. And then there's a shot, and then he has his ring again. Because the close-up of his left hand, it just sticks out. Yeah. And I'm like, how are he's been wearing this thing for a year now. Like, how is this that they have an <laughs> issue? Like, how do they even start shooting without this ring? It just doesn't yeah. even... It doesn't mean anything. There's no... I'm not even no meta against it or anything. It's just like it's just a bad production error, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. okay. Continuity <laughs> error. Yeah. Yeah. I um, haven't noticed this so I'm I'm good. <laughs> that's good. And, and it, I don't usually either, except for it was because it was that close up, and I'm like, what the oh heck? yeah, because it was like there and not there. And there. <laughs> you couldn't help you know? but notice. Yeah. You yeah. Help I but notice it. Yeah. Exactly. So. Um. But yeah. Um. So. Uh, there's a little bit of Mercedes and Santana before Kurt comes barging in. And uh, again, I like, as we've said all episode, you know, Santana's like, look, I'm not worth it. And Mercedes is like, nope, you are. Here's a contract. You're going to sing this duo with me. I talked things out, you know, and, and Santana's like, just, I, I get the feeling that nobody in her life, except for maybe Brittany, but that's a little bit different, has actually, you know, believed in Santana and actually... You know, and that's one reason why she is so rough because she feels like she has to be fighting all the time. Yeah, and it you know it just makes Santana a more interesting and a more well-rounded character for to have to you know like really be genuinely touched by Mercedes' yeah. kindness. And she and also she let down her guard a bit. I mean, you could see her being vulnerable a bit in her vulnerability. I mean, she let down her guard when you see her with Brittany, but that's 
kind of a different theme. So, like you mm. said, I, I love I, that we see the softer side of her. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I think that Santana is the one that gets played out through the rest of the series. I don't think. I mean, yeah, she's going to have that huge monologue where she's biting Kurt's head off, but <laughs> that that's another thing that I think is generally just a funny monologue. It's not... She never really regresses to that just downright mean person that she yeah. was in the first few seasons. So, um, So, Kurt comes running in, and... While I don't think that it's his problem for Rachel to fail, uh, I do mm-hmm. think it's hilarious when he's like, "Don't you guys listen to your or answer your phones?" Like, yeah. and then he starts rattling off things they can do, like a bomb threat or yeah. a bug, bed bug <laughs> scare, or mm-hmm. telling everybody Barbara is doing a free concert in Central Park. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love Santana's like, "These are all awful ideas." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really like that, but. Too. But yeah, the, I think the, the thing of it for me, I'm just like, you know, Rachel needs to fail. Like, Kurt, it's not your problem to make sure that she doesn't. Yeah. So, yeah. What I liked about that, that conversation was that I mean, I don't like, remember Santana's exact line, but when she, you know, when she said these are all ridiculous ideas, and and uh, something about the, she's not going to fail or I don't want to see some or something like that. I don't know exactly, but she's like, yeah, I have. You don't. You don't see. She doesn't say what she's gonna do, but you know, you know, you kind of. It's implied what she's going to. Mm -hmm. I think that was striking, considering all the history they had back and forth previous to this thing that she would step in for Rachel. Right, and yeah. That I think feels earned. It's yeah. kind of funny that like it doesn't bother like the way with Kurt. It's oh, he is always playing this role and, and like he he is not her caretaker, so he needs to stop with that. Mm-hmm. But I think with the whole like here Mercedes is being nice to Santana. Santana yeah. gets a you know just out of the kindness of her heart. Yeah, Rachel, I mean Santana can pay it forward, and that's yeah. what she's doing. And, and because she, I like that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it does when she decides to step in. It feels like an earned moment for her, for Santana doing something for nice for somebody else for Santana's sake, not yeah. because she has always been you know Rachel's like prop and you know has to save Rachel from every you know from herself every time that yeah. happens like her. Yeah, does, because so. the whole storyline sort of established this theme of how friendship is important in the sense of you should help each other. Right. Yeah. Oh, and that's yeah. that's something that I forgot to when the June and Blaine stuff. She goes on this whole thing about you know you are who your friends are, and it's important to the friends you're going to make. And I think there's a real distinct dichotomy of saying you know what June and Blaine are are this shallow, false, like you know kind of leeches. You know th- these all these rich people are getting something, they're getting money out of each other is essentially mm-hmm. what it is. Whereas the genuine friendships are all of these friendships that are between the the group of kids over here. And that is the more, you know, Mercedes helping Santana who helps Rachel, who helps, et cetera, you know, et cetera, et cetera. That is the more genuine and that is the more important thing. That's Yeah. So in a way she's right because the friendships are important. It's just not the way she thinks it is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yep. So, uh, so yeah. So then we get this little scene. Where Rachel, I mean, not Rachel, Santana is dressed as Fanny. 
she looks a little funny as Fanny, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> and and she basically, I like that she doesn't explain what happened with Rachel. She's yeah. just like, she's not here. Either you can give money back to the people or I go on. Yeah. And kind of forces. And I, I like that about Santana. I think she's very clever in that kind of thing. Yeah. Like it isn't, you know, I'm not here to destroy Rachel. If I, you know, I could totally do it. But no, I'm going to play this card as in you're stuck with me and, and I can do this. Yep. So... And she doesn't beat her on the bush either. She just tells it, you know, she just stands around with Sydney, which I like a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, um, the next scene is, so it's Rachel and Santana. Um, and interestingly, this was at the height of the whole, like, feud between Naya and Leah, but we don't need to get into that. I don't know what happened. Yeah. I don't really care what happened. <laughs> um, this is, I still think this is a nice scene because Rachel's like, well, what do you want out of it? And Santana's like, nothing. I'm just trying to be nice. Like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to be a better person because yeah. I should be. And I also like that Rachel has a little bit of humility herself in that she says, you know, I think I really screwed this up. You know, I threw everything away the first chance I got for something that doesn't really matter. And I do think that that's something you know, young people have to learn. I think it is something that like, you know, I don't know. I can understand why somebody Rachel's age would be jumping. Like, she's like, Oh, this is really shiny and new. I'm going to go do it. And you get burned and you learn and you try again and you do something right. But I'm glad that Rachel recognized the problem is though, did she learn something from it? (laughs) True. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, Well, in theory, I agree. It would have been a good lesson. And if, then got, went back to okay let's just stick to my education and my the role that I have now and but that's not what she does in yet no well um, you see that play out in season six too you know in a big way mm-hmm. you know after with that whole storyline too yeah but mm-hmm. I think that 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 goes with the, the what you said Pim about life experience and you sometimes you have to take your lumps and learn the hard way mm-hmm. so yeah yeah so. um so, am I, am I forgetting? I think that's the gist of the scene. I'm trying to remember if I forgot anything that happens in that scene. But well, I, yeah, I like I, I like that scene because it's such a contrast from where yeah. we were before. Yeah, I do. Yeah, kind of agreeing with what you said. I do think this is the end of the whole. Like I know they tried to end the feud stuff in like back in New Directions, whatever. But I think this is them saying we're not playing that story anymore. Santana mm-hmm. and Rachel are fine. They really don't have much to do. I mean, I guess they have the, but they don't really have much to do going forward with each other. But um, yeah, they're going, pretty much going back to what you said earlier, Pam. I think that this was an earned moment for them. I mean, that mm-hmm. scene it kind of brought conclusion to that storyline, and you know, you felt like that conversation wasn't um, superficial or fake in any way. I think both of them kind of let down their guard and kind of just had a genuine talk, which I thought was pretty, you know, which was nice to see. Not all the dramatics, not everything, just the heart-to-heart talk mm-hmm. between friends. Yeah. And what Tadana said something, I forgot the exact line, she said, like, she's, she said, I, something, the fact of, I know people would be surprised, but I'm, I'm, I'm protective of my friends, which I include you among them too, or mm-hmm. something like that, mm-hmm. which I thought was great for her to say. Yep, I agree. Yeah, that whole I scene agree. was such a such a relief for me because I didn't 
when I rewatched the episode, I wasn't sure at what point in the feud storyline we were at that point. So, yeah. <clears throat> and then I was like, okay, no, it's the point where we're over we're the whole thing. Yeah, with that. That. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was, I literally like. I, like, I was so relieved like, I <laughs> yeah. couldn't handle yeah. another yeah. yeah and it does kind of end that whole thing they set up with her being the understudy you know it's yeah. it is better in the long run that Santana did that and in helpful to Rachel that she did that that Rachel is again forced to face some of her own humility and, and you know so mm-hmm. um, two things I want to point out about the scene one I remember when it was you know, being produced and they, they asked for a bunch of Rachel doubles, you know, and the people are like, Oh, this is because Rachel and Naya couldn't be in the scene together. But no, it's not the Rachel doubles. I'm almost, I'm 98% sure were used for wake me up. So, you know, when she's walking back yeah. and forth, mm. they use mm. people in there and they replaced, you know, it was just for that, that big sequence. I'm yeah. like, it's almost sure. Yeah. I, you, you can tell over the shoulder shots that it's the Leah and Naya. And I think that they are both professional enough. Yeah. to do their job. Oh, what? So the story. Fine. So the story was that they didn't shoot that scene together because they were yeah. so. They, oh. Yeah. They, oh. Yeah. They, yeah. They, See, I wasn't I just, around for that stuff, so I. Don't you know, know what? It's yeah. it's okay that you weren't <laughs> because. because yeah. it, oh my it god! It was just irritating. Of, yeah, it just caused a lot of drama among you know. There was a lot of gossip and all that stuff, and just yeah. Um, it's a really unnecessary drama. You know, it just doesn't really matter. It matters what's on screen. And on screen, yeah. I think they played it just fine. Um, the second note, this is going to sound really funny. They're playing with the spaghetti the whole time. I'm like, I bet neither of those girls have had spaghetti in, like, years. Or, like, ever. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sure I wonder, not they, eating. I wonder what they do with the spaghetti afterwards. Probably throw it out. Who knows how long that bowl has been sitting there. I mean, <laughs> they just play with it. They, they don't even put anything on the, except for the end, they don't put any on their plates. But I'm yeah. just like, I don't know why that struck me so funny. Um, but yeah. Okay, so then we get um, the last clean scene. And so we get the last clean scene. And um, I like that it's at the at Blaine's apartment um, yeah. over the loft. Because everything always happens so much at the loft that it's nice to see the curtain Blaine hanging out at yeah. the townhouse or the brown brownstone or whatever it is and um yeah like kurt's like hey we haven't had time together in a long time and you know i want you know he's like i'm jokingly mad at you but like i blaine's like tenses up for a minute because he's really Mm, afraid of kurt being mad and um, yeah that's one of my favorite scenes i think like also not in like this mm. episode, just in general. Oh, yeah. With uh, the Klain relationship stuff. Yeah, because Kurt said, like, I'm upset with you, and Blaine is so scared, and he has this insecure little why. Because, mm, yeah. yeah, he's really he's really afraid that he's done something wrong. Yeah. Right. And, and because he's got that June stuff weighing on his mind, and mm. basically Kurt's just like, you haven't filled me up on any gossip, and Blaine's like, there hasn't been. It does make me wonder a little bit what they have been doing. Um, yeah, because if they, you know, what are they doing? But I guess she's yeah. just talking to him about what I don't. What is he just following her around? What is actually happening? Um, I do. I I don't know why this cracks me up so much, but I do like the part where he's like, "Are you guys being inappropriate? Is she being inappropriate?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
and I like that they probably set rules like you can go hang out with June and you do all this and you do all that, but like you can't sleep with her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I love like like ew, gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. But then we had, he has to play into the you know, then he starts telling half truths and stuff because he, he wants to uh, this Whole dilemma well, about making Kurt and stuff. So here's my thing: when when Blaine says I have a showcase, Kurt is genuinely happy. There's not even that like remorsefulness that he, he was in the earlier scene. He is yeah. like Blaine. That's so cool. That's so yeah. awesome that you get to do this. I'm excited for you. So I guess I don't really understand why Blaine feels the need to lie because this is where the lie comes in. Yeah. Where he says you have a part in the showcase as well. And mm-hmm. Kurt's just ecstatic and yeah. just like, wh- like even back to, he's like, wait a minute, June hates me. June wouldn't do that. And yeah. Kurt Blaine's like, oh yeah, okay, whatever she would. And, you know, he even gives him, he, Kurt even gives Blaine an out and, and Blaine yeah. doesn't take it. And I, I don't know. I get it. They're setting it up for the finale for them to have conflict. Um, but, you know, I think, I, I don't yeah, I think, when I think about this thing, I think about that scene that we talked about earlier, earlier in the episode, the very beginning, when they were talking about the story of my life, do it. <laughs> like, <clears throat> like, back to the same reaction. I mean, Blaine would generally, you know, surprised that Kurt would want to, wanted, you know, want to thought of, you know, <laughs> Include him in the duet, and so you can see that he was really moved. Whereas this part, there, I mean, Kurt thinks to you know, Kurt's kind of the same way because he, like you said, he didn't expect anything for you know from the showcase. And then when Blaine says it, he's generally moved. But the difference is that he's not. That's not really. Uh, it's not really the truth. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, 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 and. Like it, I said, I just, I get what they're going, I get what they're doing. I, I find the stuff in the finale fine. I just, um, I don't know. It's, he, Blaine had no real reason to lie to Kurt because Kurt was already okay yeah. with everything. But, like, yeah, I just think he's Blaine, not there yet. I think just yeah. Blaine isn't there yet. He can, yeah. yeah. He doesn't trust it yet. He no. doesn't trust it. Uh, yeah. So, oh. Yeah. So yeah, and then I don't know. I get the they get their they get their second little kiss of the the episode, and you know, Kurt says I love you, and it's a nice yeah. little moment too for them. Yeah, so. I the nice thing the, all the clean stuff except for the semi awkward first scene that they have is is casual. With, it's very casual between the two of yeah. them, and yeah. I am glad that the New York art gave us such casual and comfortable yeah. clean that we've yeah. been missing. Yeah, so. I am too. So. Um, so our final couple of scenes We have two more Rachel scenes in the episode The first one I, I kind of like Rachel getting Her butt handed to her like this Because the producer sits her down Says look I was going to fire you I can't because you know I can't. I don't want to deal with breaking the contract And I had a meeting with everybody else And it's fine mm-hmm. However you What did he call her He's like you are a Nobody yeah, nobody and an ambitious, ungrateful child, which yeah. is what she is. And nobody has ever really, and nobody in power, I mean, 
Kurt said some snipey things before, but nobody's ever really told her that. Yeah. And it's something that I think she needed to hear mm. because, yeah. I mean, I guess Carmen Thibodeau, Thibodeau sort of said that in season three, but then she still let her into Niata. So yeah. it's, there's some real consequences for once in Rachel's life for her. Yeah. She does something wrong and, you know, somebody is actually upset with her about it. Yeah. That it doesn't go away. So I'm and it, glad that that. Yeah, and plus, this is like the first time that there are actually other people involved, like investors and mm-hmm. things on it. So there are some real consequences that come out with this, and she needed to hear. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I honestly, um, I'm not sure I understand her reaction. I mean, I guess it's still hard to hear the stuff. Especially if you've never heard that before, but but like right. she goes into this meeting with the almost the expectation of being fired, and that's actually not what happens. So yeah. in the end, it's not. It could have been worse. I, you know? Also, yeah, she kind of digs her own grave a little bit too when she's like, "Well, I had this opportunity," and like, "That's shut up, Rachel. Don't yeah. say that. Say okay." Because yeah. he says at the beginning, he's like, "I get it. I didn't let, let you have a day off. Yeah. You're young. You needed a day off. Yeah, but that's on me." But the fact that you lied and that you, you know, went off, you know. But then when she says, I had an um, opportunity and I wanted to try and take it, that's when he calls her the ungrateful, ambitious yeah, yeah. child. Yeah, yeah and, because she has and, an opportunity here. I mean, yeah. yeah, exactly. And, you know, if she had just shut her mouth and just took, you know, the reprimand... Yeah. Mm. Fine, but the fact that yeah. he's she's making it worse by saying, "Well, you know, I didn't really want to do this anymore, and I was trying to see what else was out there." That yeah. that's not helping, Rachel. Yeah, Shut yeah up. that's not. Yeah, <laughs> you have a dick your own grace. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really uncomfortable scene, but I'm glad Rachel finally faces a firing squad. So, yeah. so yeah, that's true. And Ruth, yeah. like, he really did lay it on these. Like, if you do that again, he basically put on the blacklist. Don't, don't, you know. Not going to mm-hmm. get work again. So she yep. knows what the mistakes are. Yep. Um, but then we get the this is this last scene. I, I do like the salt in the wound at first when the lead Paul Black calls her and is like, "Yeah, we're going to go another way," and she's mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, I know." Um, but then you know they're going to send out. She's going to get a development deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I do kind of now. Granted, I love the finale. I love what they do with it. I love that the show is utter crap. So in yeah. some ways, she, Rachel's still going to get her just dues, but I do kind of eye roll that she's been reprimanded and then something wonderful comes out of all of that because yeah. Rachel can never go five seconds yeah. without having to actual stakes, that, you know, but um, this is all going to blow up in her face anyway. So, mm. <sighs> so. yeah, and that's what I meant yeah. with the problem with that. She obviously didn't learn her lesson because at right. that point she would have, she should have just said, okay, no, let's just, I'll stick to Broadway and do my thing. And yep. then I can still do the TV stuff in five years. Yeah, but mm-hmm. Right. And you know, what makes me wonder though, I, do they ever bring up, I guess we'll find out in season six because I have no memory of it. When she takes the show, she has to quit Broadway. So yeah. mm-hmm. I left, wonder. I um, so she, I, I'm like, I wonder if Sydney like decided to even like, they bring up the fact that Sydney tried to blacklist her or something. No, um, I, don't, or if, I don't recall that they ever did. They didn't mention it. Yeah, again. I don't think so. No. Oh, well. Also, I just wish she would 
talk to an adult about stuff like that before she makes a decision because oh, uh, they She's... obviously are not so if she doesn't know how stuff works if she doesn't know how an, an audition works okay that's fine she's young but i just wish they would talk to someone who knows right and yeah. and we look at the mercedes part of it she's got that producer who's got her back and is a mentor and is somebody that she can talk to and whatever but all of the rest of these kids are running around here without any mm -hmm. kind of adult mm -hmm. supervision uh you know as a joke but like they they, they don't have anybody they're not they, they don't have any teachers they don't I don't have any mentors and, and like, yeah, you don't always need that, but you know, it's, I don't know. I feel like, yeah, you're right. Rachel doesn't have anybody that she can talk to in a position that will be able to help her. She doesn't even have an older like Broadway person that she can talk to. And I think yeah. that the, I mean, granted the show is not going to be on very much longer and they're going to bring her back to alignment, et cetera, et cetera. But I do think had this like been a long running thing, I think it would have benefited Rachel. Actually, I always think somebody older would have benefited her that was not always coddling her like Will did. So. Yeah. Mm. And I bet there's like at Niada, there should be like a counselor or something you can go to to ask for business stuff. <sighs> that will, there probably will. Yeah. Um, no, you, you, in that kind of thing, you actually can take classes in it. Like it's a business of, of any kind of fine arts program. There's a business aspect to it that you can always take it. You, you can take, um, basically your capstone courses are going to be your preparation for the real world. And this is, you know, how you do auditions and this is how you do yeah. headshots and this is the business aspect of it. So that you get an agent colleges have those resources for you, but there yeah. are also like, if you, uh, you know, there are books out there. You can go to the library. You can, you know, talk to other people who've been through it. You know, you have a network. And one of the biggest things in the show, this is one thing, the show that really completely I fault on. You have a network. When you, you cannot make it in these kind of, you know, big, like, movie, music, whatever. You need to know lots of people. And yep. because you never know, like who's going to help you and what avenue you don't have to be best friends with everybody but you go out of your way and you make friends and you meet people and mm -hmm. see what paths they have and the fact that they put these kids and understandable it's a tv show but they put them in a bubble where they only know each other yeah they're not going to get very far with that so um, I want to thank you guys for joining me on this. I think it was a great episode. I've been loving talking to people about the New York arc stuff. Um, next week, we're going to be back talking about a lot of Kurt in Old Dog's New Tricks. And I hope you guys have a great night. You make me feel so young You make me feel like spring has sprung